This is Dr. Nick Delgado, and I'm with Scott Sargent. We're on an episode, a podcast, and a webinar for your benefit because most of you out there are thinking about what is it in your life that motivates you, that drives you. And Scott has a rather unique story. And I want him to share that with you because some of you out there might have pain in your heart or you're struggling and you're not sure what to do about it. And I want you to hear his story because it's so absolutely important for those of you who want to be in a place where we feel accepted, connected, and loved. Scott, tell me, what is it that brought you to become an incredible athlete and what sport was that in? Yeah. Uh, well, my sport of specialty was the hammer throw event at track and field. I grew up with just a love of sports. Uh, always enjoyed, you know, being able to enjoy that in, the, in my body. I grew up playing soccer and baseball and was really gifted and talented. So, of course, loved the competitive aspect of it and, you know, fighting to win. But uh, I, I got into track and field actually in high school with some of the politics in the team sports and ended up stumbling into the shot put, which I never in a million years would have thought that I would get into that, but had a lot of fun, some success. Uh, went to UC San Diego for college and really didn't think about any long-term prospects. But after my first year, went out to talk to the track coach about the shot put. He's like, well, you got some potential. Something's going to need some work, but you ever thought about throwing the hammer? And I was like, what the hell is that? And it's like a shot put on a wire. So it's a 16 pound ball. So think about a bowling ball at the end of a four foot wire with a metal handle you spin around three or four times in a seven-foot circle. So it's like I, I talk about it's like a lumberjack doing ballerina with a, with a, with a pole, right? And uh, heave that thing as far as you can. So a good throw is over 200 feet. I threw 75 yards. So you were able to send, send 75 yards times three, so that's 215 feet, and a good throw is 200. 225, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> Wow. How big were you at that time? And what did it take training-wise and dedication-wise to get to that power and strength to throw a 16-pound rocket ball, essentially? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, when I picked up the hammer uh, again in college, I was in pretty lean athletic shape. I was 205, 6'2", 205. And my college coach said, yeah, by the time you leave here, you know, you'll be about 240, 245. And I was like, no way. Sure enough, two years later, I'm rock solid 240 just from all the weight training and the intense, you know, it's obviously a very powerful strength and intensive event, but it takes a lot of speed, explosive power, and, and the technique is crucial. So in the Olympics, this is an Olympic sport, correct? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. It's one of the oldest ones from the original Olympics. And what, do you know about what the current record is close to? Yeah. Uh, actually, Yuri Sedek from Russia still holds a record from 1986, 284 feet. Wow. <laughs> crazy did he do it more than once uh he at one time had 80 of the top 100 recorded throws of all time so the, the totally dominant like the michael jordan of hammer throw wow. did you study his technique was it unique and different yeah he was a master technician i mean he was a great athlete but he was so precise and so efficient and just throw after throw after throw so fast forward, you, you had these aspirations, you developed into an incredible athlete, um, you probably were socializing, and then something came into your life. Tell me about that. Yeah, well, 
so I was a collegiate, two-time collegiate champion, broke the collegiate record, uh, found myself just four years into the sport, uh, going from the big fish in the little pond of the collegiate level to uh, little fish in the big pond. I was actually 22nd in the U.S. in 92, the year I, I uh, graduated college and then made it to the Olympic trials. So that year was just happy to be there. 96, well, actually two years later, made it into the top 10. So, you know, I was in the running, 96 didn't make the team. Uh, but really pushing, really going for it. I was fortunate enough to work with not only the American world record holder, the uh, world record holder, Yuri, uh, one of the first athletes at the Olympic Training Center in Chula Vista down there in San Diego. And uh, and then I met someone. I met this woman. And, you know, I had this three-page list of my criteria. And I was obviously very dedicated and focused to my sport. But uh, this person showed up. They matched the vision of what I said that I wanted. And this is the year before the games in 99, April 99, my, my, everything's coming together. It's looking like I'm, you know, I'm in the running for the team. I'm not a shoe in, but, uh, all of a sudden I had this terrible accident. I went head first down a flight of concrete steps and landed on top of my head. Oh my God. So you went from what looked to be an incredible opportunity. You had a love in your life and something took place in your mind that set you off and you were trying to work through it, but you didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and here we are, it's almost 20 years ago now. And it was just two years ago that I revealed, um, because, you know, I came to and was paralyzed from the neck down. I was told I would never walk again. And on top of, <laughs> you know, um, having my Olympic dream really like literally shattered. But what I just revealed two years ago publicly at my first TED Talk was the truth about how I got injured was actually not an accident. It was an intentional act of suicide attempt trying to kill myself. Yeah. So being in front of an audience, a TED Talk, um, the feeling that you wanted to share the real story because you held this story back for so many years. Uh, what did that feel like, and how did the audience respond? What was the message they walked away with, and what do you want our listeners to understand and learn from? Well, it was an amazing experience, and it was, you know, literally 18 years in the making, and uh, so much inner work, you know, was involved in my preparation, and thankfully I had some great coaching and support. Uh, like any endeavor, I think if you want to be the best, you find the best, you train with the best, you get coached by the best, right? So I had a rock star team supporting me there, but so much of that was the inner work. My talk title that evolved, because I knew I could tell a great story, but what's the point? And that's the whole TED platform. What's your one idea worth spreading? And here we are in a prison in Donovan Penitentiary, three miles due south of the Olympic Training Center, where I was one of the first athletes and then coached. My talk title was The Truth Will Set You Free. Wow. And that truth uh, is a harsh one that, uh, to deal with. I, I understand it well because uh, I had a love in my life, and at that time, it, it, it brought me to a stage where I was at a turning point, and I, I contemplated suicide. I mean, I, it, it crossed my mind. I was starting to think through, you know, how, I mean, when you start thinking about how can I take my life, it's, it's a serious matter. And I, at the time, um, I didn't have the resources to deal with it. And fortunately, um, 
I found a unique way to deal with my extreme jealousy and my my feelings and my hurt. And guys don't often talk to each other either, so that's a tough one too. Uh, but later, I, I got to get involved with uh, NLP and timeline therapy and uh, with uh, the forum and, and and different groups. And you know, I, I just started finding there's an emotional emotional side. I also prided myself on being you know a, a strong, tough athlete. I'm a little guy, but I you know I was the tough guy, right? Yeah. I, I wanted to hit hard, and so you know going through that uh, that struggle and realizing that uh, I can understand uh, when a good friend of mine this year committed suicide and I'm like wow you know it came out of nowhere I mean and I found out it had to do with his heartbreak and and his career and things that he felt about himself and so it's really important to deal with these emotions yeah huge and that was something that completely blindsided me you know I uh, had this incredible physical you know, strength and abilities that I developed. Uh, I was a mechanical engineer, very sharp in, in my mind and intellect. Uh, did a lot of personal development training, leadership training. I ran a nonprofit. I'm I'm kicking ass basically. Right. And then all of a sudden, this thing hits my soft underbelly. You know, sometimes I talk about it's like I stepped on a landmine, and here it was wrapped up in what I thought was the fulfillment, this love of my life. And things got triggered for me that I just didn't have the, the capacities or resources to deal with. And uh, a little bit like you shared, you know, taught to be strong, you know, be tough, not to show any weakness, you know, not to show any vulnerability, never see you, let them see you sweat. I uh, wasn't willing to bring myself to talk to anybody about it. And uh, as I was sharing with you before, the limited perceptions I had from the media and Hollywood of our mental health profession uh, had me make up the perception that if I went to someone, I'd literally end up locked away in restraints and pumped full of drugs the rest of my life. And after two months of not sleeping a wink, not being able to shift those emotions, in fact, just having it get worse, uh, I started thinking about, you know, what could I do to get out of this pain? And ultimately, you know, what I did was pretty bold and, and impulsive, but uh, did something that I thought would somehow look like an accident in some way to be easier for friends and family to deal with. Wow. So it, 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 it's tough because most of our actions are at the subconscious level. So, you know, we see ourselves in a certain way and I, I feel what you're, what you're explaining. And, uh, at that stage though, um, to be a man who almost feels invincible, was there a part to you saying, you know, even when you did this accident that somehow you would survive it or you sincerely thought hey i'm i'm checking out this is this is my time i gotta check out and partly too not sleeping that that causes some pretty serious disruptions of of level thinking <laughs> yeah uh, literally two months of not sleeping a wink it wore me dead the break that breaking point uh no i was I, I, again i didn't want to kill myself yeah. but i got to a point where i couldn't take the pain anymore and I didn't really think a lot. I had a shotgun in the closet, but I thought, well, that'd be kind of messy and gruesome, you know? Uh, and again, it would have been rather obvious. And I think you know, when I did what I did, I was pretty confident that 6'2", 245 pound pile driver, you know, I held my arms to my side, which took some willpower. You know, I did a straight dive off of, you stand at the top of 14 concrete steps, aiming for the landing, I thought, yeah, that's going to crush my 
brain, you know, cavity. I, I'm that's it. I'm done. And did you come to uh, in the hospital, or at what point did you realize you didn't die? Yeah. The, well, the the sick joke is that I had too hard of a head, right? So I just woke up. I was briefly knocked out. I had a mild concussion, but I woke up at the bottom of the stairs. Uh, I didn't really know what happened. There was this, you know, quick oh shit because. I didn't know what was going to be next, but I knew it wasn't <laughs> supposed to be where I was. And uh, they told me that I, before I, I don't remember this, but kids in a lower apartment came running out and they're like, oh my gosh, what do we do? And I said, just stay calm. Don't try to move me and call 911. So I guess that was the Eagle Scout training coming through. I, I literally don't remember that, but I remember being taken to the hospital and uh, well, I, lying there on the ground, I tried to get up. I actually was lifted my head, and I could see my legs and, and the planter. I uh, felt like I thought maybe my arms were broken because they didn't seem to be working, uh, and I couldn't feel or, or move my legs. I couldn't get up. I tried to get up, and I couldn't. You know, I struggled for a little bit, but then I was, okay, there's, like, nothing I could do. So how long was it before you could actually... Uh, move your limbs I mean you you clearly were told the doc by the doctors you're, you're never going to walk again how long a time was it to to and what kind of determination and who came into your life to, to get you to the place where you're clearly walking and you're functioning yeah thank you it's quite a journey for sure um, you know one of the lessons I'll kind of jump to because you were talking a little bit I'm thinking about your show and your audience uh, part of my message, I think it's key, is that I, I feel part of my message, my story, is if it could happen to me, it could happen to anyone. And um, all the preparation I had, you know, all those so-called risk factors, you would think I would be, as you said, invincible, right? But I think there's, we all have some circumstances can line up, which we may not know or be able to anticipate uh, that that could happen. Um, the other thing being, I like to say it's not an ounce of prevention, you know, is a pound of cure, but a pound, a, a pound of prevention is worth a ton of cure, right? 2,000 to one, as you know, you're a big lift, weightlifter, right? So the, all the preparation that I did in so many aspects of my life, I didn't in a million years, couldn't have imagined what would happen, but those things prepared me for that. So I, gave a, I didn't exactly answer your question yet. Moving to what you specifically were speaking to, it was pretty messed up. You know, not only did I go from that intense emotional pain and heartbreak and trauma, now, oh my God, it's even worse than it could have imagined. I'm in a whole new nightmare that's just, just surreal. I'm being told I'm never going to walk again, right? I know I did this to myself. Nobody else knew. I kept that secret, yeah. right? Yeah. And now I'm looking at the rest of my life feeling like I'm being punished, even though I didn't subscribe to the religious dogma I was raised with, that program was still running. You talked about the subconscious, right? That was right there. You deserve this, basically, some version of that story. Right. And, uh, you know, I won't go into many more of the medical details, but about a week into that, uh, I had a horrible day, was transferred from to the rehab hospital, all things going on, pain, agony. Uh, I had a little bit of sensation and movement, which was a very promising sign. Uh, I had bad compression in my spinal cord. Basically, people don't walk after this kind of injury. But um, my coach called. And I couldn't hold the phone. Literally, the nurse is holding the phone to my ear. 
And he's like, how are you doing? And I'm like, what do you mean? How am I doing? Like, this is beyond the worst possible nightmare. And I was upset and bewildered and he listened to me for a bit, but finally he's like, okay, well, are you going to fight and make yourself well or give up and quit? And it was a really confronting conversation. If I could have hung up the phone, I probably would have. I was pissed. How dare he say that to me? Doesn't he know how bad this is? You know, all that stuff and, and all the agony and anguish and, and bewilderment. And I would have probably screamed F you, but I didn't want to give this poor nurse a heart attack, you know? And in that inner fit, I like to think that Olympian in me and that engineer too, the logic was like, well, of course I'm going to fight and make myself well. Really with no idea how to do that. That's what came out of my mouth. I'm going to fight and make myself well. I'm going to recover 100% and walk out of here. And he said, okay, great. Then that's what we'll do. That was a huge turning point in which I was able to, with the help of my coach, harness so many of those tools that I cultivated and honed and developed over you know, my lifetime as an elite athlete and you know, engineer and leader in so many capacities to deal with the situation at hand. Wow. So Scott, what do you see ahead of you? Um, you utilize partly your story to help others to recognize you have to continue on. You can't give up. You, you have to push. I look at people and I think, wow, I have some challenges in my life, but I'm nowhere near as challenged as say, for example, my friend Bob Whelan, who's double amputee, his legs got blown off in Vietnam. He, he was supposed to come back to play baseball, professional baseball, and he comes back in a wheelchair. And, and here, here's a man that you know, became the strength conditioning coach for the Green Bay Packers, of all things. You know, he broke the world record in bench press. He walked across America on his hands. He bicycled across America with his arms. He, he participated in Ironman triathlons. I mean, I, I'm just so blown away. I, I you know, there's days I, I get up and I'm, I'm going to go train today, you know, and I'm like, hmm, yeah, I could easily skip this training. And then I remember how good it is to be outdoors and train and lift weights and just feel strong and, and fight aging because we're all up against aging. We're against emotion. We're against so many factors. So what is your driving factor now and what do you see in the future for you so our audience can get a sense for who is Scott Sargent and what role do you play in their life? Yeah, thank you. Wow, so so many things. Um, I feel so blessed, first of all, actually with all that life experience. As brutal as it was to go through, uh, that I've been fortunate. Now, one of my other mentors has a saying, the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? So yet there's also a space of grace. You know, I know that I was also fortunate in that. And so to be able to share my story in a way that inspires other people, and there's this whole spectrum that I've lived in my, in my life experience from being at the, you know, the world-class level and the tops of the elite ranks to then what feels like through the bottom of hell and back. And so I think to be able to inspire people no matter what they're dealing with, that there's always some possibility and I believe that's part of the nature of, of us as human beings, that most of the limits we place are, are, are that we think we have are, are placed only by ourselves. Yeah, there might be some physical restrictions, but minuscule compa compared to our capacity and our creative ability. And uh, one of the things that's, I think, 
been amazing with me now telling the whole story and not just what I euphemistically now call the cool story is that the, the space of humanity that's opened up for people to connect with and receive uh, inspiration and hope and be able to see themselves and their, their shadow, their darkness, their struggles, and to allow some love and compassion for that. Like it's okay in a sense to be broken or feel broken. And no matter what, that we can heal, that we can adapt, that we can find a way. But if there's one thing I could say to that guy that was at the top of the stairs 20 years ago, it would be just go talk to someone. And I think that, you know, particularly as men and successful and strong, you know, that whole uh, cultural conversation that we have about that, that we're not shows, supposed to show that weakness or, or not be vulnerable in those ways. We're breaking that up, but there's a long way to go. Uh, and uh, I'll say this off the cuff, sound may sound planned, but, you know, I want to be part of the hammer that really shatters that stigma. Yeah, that's well stated. I know Pamela Gregory um, and I are mutual friends, and, and Deborah Ferris, who I met at Tony Robbins' event, and uh, Pamela often talks about uh, people who are young people who are contemplating even committing suicide, and it, it's just... It just tears your heart up to, to even hear a story where they were unfortunately successful in taking their life. And, you know, those people out there who are either suffering from depression or in heartbreak or in emotional turmoil, um, in my life, I, I found that learning about the subconscious mind and how we can actually program the subconscious mind. We, we even offer an online course called Neuro Reprogramming, and I attribute virtually every uh, attempt to overcome adversity in my life and helping others to do so because I think whether you're struggling with fatigue or being overweight or cancer or some life-threatening disease um, and we're, we're all up against aging so so I, I look at it as you know each day is a new opportunity to make a new commitment and a new contribution and so when I do uh, neuro reprogramming every day on myself it goes like this uh, and I'm sure you have certain either meditations or practices you know we each have our, our way of doing things having been trained with Tony Robbins and being one of his life mastery coaches and you know just finding some of the greats. I wanted to find his teachers, Dr. Tad James and the, the founder of Timeline Therapy and others. And I trained with these people because I felt that what I had to do was overcome certain situations and limitations because some of us just think of ourselves, well, I'm too old or I'm, I don't have enough education or uh, I'm, a, I'm a lady or I'm a man or, uh, you know, we, we make these built-in excuses, these limiting excuses, these limiting behaviors. Uh, I'm never going to lose the weight. I, you know, I'm never going to overcome this, this health problem. The doctor said I have this problem. There's nothing I can do. Wow, you know that's that's the time to dig in deep and 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 do a process. So I, I'm going to encourage people. We have a program, as I said, neuro reprogramming. Just go to our website um, here, flashed up there, DelgadoProtocol.com, and check that program out because it's it's designed to help 
really release. We use NLP, as I said, timeline therapy, and a rather advanced technique of deep trance phenomena. And it's interesting because a combination of hypnosis, when you bring a person down through relaxation, they're totally aware of what's going on. But as you bring them deeper, then you bring them back up, and then you bring them deeper the next time. It goes deeper and deeper. And you get to the deepest rooted feelings of anger, hurt, guilt, anxiety, fear. And once you release those really unresourceful emotions and there are emotions that we hang on to to protect ourselves because we're we're afraid of hey you know if if you know what happens if i forgive and i and i let go of this anger this hurt this guilt and but the most powerful emotion is love and and it mm -hmm. took me 37 years to write mastering love uh mastering love sex and intimacy and this book uh, kind of put it out there, you know, my heartache and what I went through to understand kind of a relationship situation. And so life is different these days. And I, I think that we owe it to ourselves to do some deeper work. Absolutely. Those were, you know, huge tools that I used as an elite athlete to perform at my best. And uh, I believe in a lot of ways, you know, I was so fortunate that I was so prepared unwittingly to be able to apply all those things to my recovery process because I turned that visualization inside to see myself healing, to vision the recovery that I wanted as opposed to the future that was being presented to me, you know, by the doctors and so-called experts. And uh, yeah, to this day, to know that our inner resources are phenomenal and, and always be in the exploration, the excavation of how can we tap into that power and use it toward what we want in our lives, but also to clear out the things that are those self-imposed limitations, and then there's then we just go. Fantastic. So, Scott, how do people get in touch with you and uh, find out more of how you can guide and help uh, those interested in life coaching and your guidance? Yeah, easy to find me on, on social media, Scott Sargent, or my website, scottsargent.com. Perfect. to help anybody that I can, feel free to reach out. Dr. Nick Delgado here saying be strong be well and stay tuned for our next segment because really you owe it to yourself the more you do on self-work to help you to be the very best you can be you're more capable of helping others like scott is now his main mission and my mission is to help you to be your very best thank you be well be strong <music> 